Welcome back to another edition of the Beers and Pixins football podcast. We are talking about college football on this one. If you want to hear NFL, go to the other one. But we are in week 14. We just finished up the end of the regular season. We had rivalry week last week. I was a nervous wreck on Saturday, um, but, you know, I didn't expect anything else. Uh, we'll get into all that fun stuff uh, bef- before we get kicked off. Mason, how we doing? We feeling good? I know that, you know, LSU ended on a W, ended on a good note. Yeah. Uh, first thing, I hope everyone had a, a great Thanksgiving week. Apologies for the, the missed upload. We had some issues recording, but I think just ended up giving the week back to each other. And having a good family celebration. Um, but yeah, I was able to, to catch the LSU game. It definitely wasn't going the way I was hoping for, for most of the game. Um, they started off pretty slow. And I don't want to say they started off slow more so. I think AM's defense came in with a game plan of how to attack this game. And that's to slow down this LSU offense. And then when they have the ball kind of like how Michigan plays it's let's drag it out and make it as short as possible and i think the first half possession was something crazy like uh 19 or 20 minutes to 10 or so um so i mean they had the ball twice as long as LSU did and so those couple i think they had like two three and outs which for this Jaden Daniels offense is pretty <laughs> bad you're not usually used to those so Got off slow, but came out in the second half, and Daniels did what he's been doing all season long, took care of business, had a buck 30 on the ground, threw for three touchdowns in the second half. Uh, Neighbors, another fantastic game. There was one kind of, I don't know what the word to describe it was, cool but also unfortunate moment of Neighbors just made a crazy play where he took like a, 15 yard in route all the way across the field for 50, 60 yards touchdown with like probably a hundred yards total covered. Um, ended up getting called back from a, a holding call down the field, which may or may not have made the difference in that being a touchdown, but nonetheless, it nullified. If he, if the play would have stood, he would have been LSU's all-time leading receiver uh, in yards record. Yeah. And the player that caused the penalty, Kyron Lacey, um, was very upset with himself, like literally like crying on the sideline, knowing like what he had taken away from him, which I thought was good and sucks that the play happened that way. But also it was cool to see how much – this receiving core and this team has built like a brotherhood and they're, you know, in it for each other and they want each other to succeed as much as they can. Um, so it was really cool to see that he was that invested in it for him. Bounce back. Kyron Lacey had a 15 yard touchdown, like the next drive to kind of make up for it. But with that said, Malik neighbors has said he's coming for the record. He's playing in the bowl game as of now, which is really cool. 
we'll see if Daniels decides to play or not. I know he's obviously, um, you know, got draft prospects on the line. A lot of players, especially when you're not playing for something more significant, like the CFP tend to sit out. He yeah. did uh, accept an invitation to the senior bowl. So he might more just lean into that as opposed to our bowl game, give Nussmeyer a little bit more of a, you know, showing chance to get warm going into the next season. But nonetheless, I'll take it for what it is um, as far as a full season for my Tigers. Didn't go the way we wanted, but hopefully Daniels did enough to secure the Heisman and neighbors did enough maybe to win the, the Blintnikoff. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think even though I think Marvin Harrison is, you know, the clear number one prospect and, you know, maybe the best wide receiver in college football, I think, neighbors may have the edge on him a little bit just in terms of stats wise and the actual mm -hmm. season that he had so it'll it'll be interesting to see how that went down um but yeah uh i was, I was happy to see lsu win i i all i saw was the the highlights um you know was wasn't too focused to be honest on on the lsu game because at the same time we did have Another game going on. Uh, we had the game, some call it. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, um, which, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know how that ended up. Don't really need to go into the score. Wanted to review it, though. Wanted to kind of go over, um, you know, just kind of recap how it went. And uh, I think we're also going to talk about the Iron Bowl a little bit and what on earth happened there. Because uh, that was insane, um, and then I think most of the time we'll be we'll be spending on you know predictions for all the all the conference championships, and uh, talk just a little bit about the college football playoff rankings and you know pretty much the final ones before you know we actually get to the the very final. What is that penultimate? That's the word for that. Yeah, penultimate. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, just as we always do, we're we're gonna we're gonna stick with tradition. What do you think for the Michigan game? The Michigan game. We'll we'll, we'll do we'll do that one first. Yeah. Um. So, you know, as we've talked, I think going into the game uh, was really hard to create expectations um, on what. I was looking forward or what I was expecting to happen. Um, was kind of nervous going into it. I was like, oh, I don't know which way I'm going to sway or how this game's going to go. Is it going to turn out like last year where it ended up just, you know, they pulled away and it was a blowout? Or is it going to be vice versa where Ohio State pulls away? Um, I, I, again the game was on at the same time as the lsu game so i didn't sit there and like not change the channel for you know the full 60 minutes i was going back and forth so i'm sure there's bits and pieces that i missed um i we originally again the recording didn't go out we had some technical issues but i did predict a michigan win last week um i said it was going to be close about one to three points. I know Michigan was a three-point favorite going into it, and I said it could easily be within that, um, which for a bit it was looking like it was going to be. Uh, these defenses are both really strong. 
Corum was more effective than I was expecting. Um, and kind of vice versa, Travion Henderson was not as effective. Um, Trainum seemed to be a little bit more effective, which funny enough, I had Trainum in one of <laughs> my lineups for DraftKings just because he was so cheap. And I was like, ah, this guy, you know, maybe he ends up, you know, they struggle with him and they get him in the game a little bit more, change up the pace, which is kind of what I was looking for with, Michigan just knowing the type of game that Donovan Edwards had last year against Ohio State. I was like, how much are they going to mix him into the fold um, with kind of that change of pace that he brings? Um, the big mismatch that I loved, and he played really well. I know we talked earlier and you said he sat out a little bit. Uh, but Colston Loveland, I mean, I think he's he's got the tools to be a solid player at the next level um, as a tight end. Um I don't think he probably would be like a a blocking tight end. He'd be more like that receiving type, build out skill a little bit more, work on the the route tree a little bit. Um, but his size, his speed, his athleticism, like it's there to be an NFL player. So I really liked what I saw out of him. There were a few plays that proved to me that Marvin Harrison is that dude um, and is going to be that dude. Um more particularly the the one-handed catch with the defensive pass interference or I don't know if they call it interference or holding or whatever. Yeah. The the 40-yard bomb. Um I was like, "Okay, that's a grown man. Like he is that's a Sunday catch right there." Um but more importantly, man, this Michigan team they stuck through it without Harbaugh. Um the defense showed up with some of those interceptions and obviously making the the game ceiling one at the end. I thought with kind of the chunk plays they were getting there at that last drive starting out, um, you know, they moved 40 yards pretty quickly with the, I think, was it Igbuka? Somebody. Um, I think Fleming had a sideline catch um, on the right side. But I was like, okay, they're, they're going to get this down there because it was 24 to 30 at that point. I was like, just the way these games go, like they're going to score a touchdown and it's going to be a one-point game, and Ohio State's going to win. Um, but they got pressure on McCord. I had to let it go and, you know, throwing off that back foot, taking a hit, ball came up a little short, and boom, interception, sealed it. Uh, huge win. Uh, should be super proud of this team. They deserve it. Um, McCord definitely played better than I expected him to. I think going into next year, especially with, Michigan losing a handful of, you know, their offensive guys. Um, I would probably lean toward Ohio State in that fact of being more of the possible winner of this matchup next year. But getting Harbaugh back going into next week, this Michigan team is is doing what they need to do, and this defense is, is legit to face any of these, whoever's going to be in the top four. With them, unless they do something crazy and Iowa manages to put up forty-five points on them, which I don't think I probably bet that that would be the craziest thing. Considering you know they could only put up you know ten against Minnesota, but it's a championship game. You never know what happens. Did you see? Speaking real quick, did you see the line on the Iowa game last week before the game? Yeah, didn't it settle at twenty-four and a half? Yes. And yeah. it hits the under. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, that's the whole thing. It's they're nine for nine on the unders this year. Um, the last nine unders, they're nine for nine. Um, I believe right now it is 36 or 35 and a half or something like that. The uh, in the Big Ten championship. Um, and I think Michigan's favored by like 22 or something yeah. like that. Um, so it, it looks like the committee likes not the committee. What am I talking about? It looks like Vegas likes a 30 to six kind of win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be, it'll be really interesting. Um, see if they can at least make it 10 for 10. Um, and I mean, with how much Michigan likes to shorten games, and them liking to run the ball, you know, 30, 35 times a game. Yeah. Um, I can very much see that as a possibility. So it, it'll be it'll be a fun, you know, side little thing to to pay attention for in that game. Um, but I will try not to try not to rant, uh, not rant, uh, but go into too much and, you know, go on to too many tangents <laughs> talking about this game. Walk me through your your day as you're getting ready for this kickoff. How are what is your mind? Where are we at? How are we feeling? Building up the moment. I was in shambles. Um, so I'm I'm gonna be real honest with you. And and you don't know this. <laughs> I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch it as it was actually happening. There is something in me that is so broken that I I think it 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 does me more harm to actually watch the games and I like I just I get that actual anxiety in me. I don't have it for other games, you know, let's say they like the the Rutgers game or you know, Minnesota or whatever, Nebraska. Like, I, I'll make it through those games. Big stakes. But I do want you to know that I thought it was over at about 2.30. And so I thought I would be good in the clear. I can just see what happens. And you talked about how they were driving the football down the field at the very last uh, last drive. Mm-hmm. Um. I looked at ESPN and I thought the game would be fully over and I saw 30 to 24 with them having the ball on the Michigan 30 yard line or so. Yeah. With like 35 seconds left. And I went into sheer panic, ran over to the TV, turned it on. And as I like the game comes up, uh, Ohio state snaps the ball. McCord drops back, throws the interception, and I just I threw my arms up in the air and walked off. And I watched one play lifetime. And I I know it's it's insane. I there's something wrong with me. I I fully understand. Like don't get me wrong. I I went back and watched the entire thing. I have watched the full game. Um but I do it almost in self-preservation for myself. And there, there's something wrong with me. Mm. That I get so filled with anxiety because I, 
realize what kind of team that they have and what could be um that i just i i don't watch do you so you don't watch but do you like keep up with it lifetime um sometimes i will for this game i didn't i i stayed off social media i stayed off everything i got so much work done in my apartment it was actually very productive it's a very productive morning for myself um but no, I I will tell you that like I'm you know I'm in that group of like terrible sports fans that have this like weird superstition and weird juju that like my team will play better if I don't watch. I think it's at this point it's just that I'm self-preserving for myself and like I just feel it so physically within my body that so, I just have decided not to watch. what if okay like last year like did you watch the college football playoff game lifetime i did i was with a lot of i was with friends and uh we were we were all watching the game um yes i i did watch that unfortunately so if you had it i'm having weird deja vu right now so so if you had it your way no, dude. Wow, this is tripping out. We've had this conversation in my head before. Um, if you've had it your way this year, they make it to the college football playoff. Ideally, obviously, if there's not some kind of party or get together going on, you wouldn't watch either game lifetime if they made I, it around and into the championship. I, I, I don't know. Um, I have had the conversation with myself of like. They're literally like in the college football like semifinal in the national championship if they get there. Um, that that's like a you have to watch it. Like you just do. You just have to watch. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I I've had that conversation with myself. I don't know for sure what will happen. Um, but yeah. So for you, the stress, oh gosh, slam my head in the mic, the stress, the anxiety of the potential negative and downturns in a game outweigh the euphoric positive moments that you feel during a game in lifetime. I'm, yes, I'm a super pessimistic and negative person when it comes to football, for sure. I watched the Mar the last like seven minutes of that Maryland game when it came real close. I I was in dire straits. Uh, it was it was not good. Yeah. See, to me, that one's almost more understandable because like it's an opponent you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't expect to be. It's it's an upset in that turn of events, and it's you're throwing away your season for a game that shouldn't have mattered really in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I know, but it's the thing of like, I know how I'm going to be for Ohio state. Like I also like, I'm not going to subject other people. Like if I had the option, if I had to watch, I'm not going to subject other people to that. Is, is this, is this an inherited trait? Slightly. Yeah. Shout out okay. dad. Okay. He'll be listening to this later in the week. Interesting. Yeah.
It, it is a little bit. I, I will have you know that he did. He did watch the game. Uh-huh. Whereas I did not because we were in two different locations for the game. Okay. So, yeah. Well, one of these days in the future, in your lifetime, whenever Michigan's in the national championship, I'll uh, we'll make sure that you're at that game in person. Oh, dude, yeah. I... Face, I've even thought about watching you. watching the game in person, and I don't even know how that would go. So, yeah that that is the that is uh, that's my thing. I know it's it's uh, no. you're not the only one. Look, I I can watch Baylor. I get I get you know nervous and whatever for Baylor. Obviously not this year because they're terrible. Um. But it's never. It hasn't reached that level yet. I've been able to watch all Baylor games. Um, I've been there for quite a few of them. You know, going to the school. Um, it just well, it's just not the same level for me. It's. I mean, it's different stakes. I mean, you have a a Michigan team that is a potential national championship caliber team year in year out kind of program whereas even if you're going 12 and 0 in the regular season I still don't know if I'm putting I, all my I know like, what I know what you're saying I, prime, I understand but put prime RG3 back there I'm still not feeling like I'm going to win a championship whereas I don't know this is it's different stakes it is different it's I, yeah I get and, it. and and it and it's it isn't even that. It's just because Michigan has been the team, you know, the college team I've rooted for since I was, you know, like five. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's it's just different when it's when it's your first team. Um, I used to be worse about the Raiders, but they've just been so bad for so long that I don't really expect a whole lot from them that that's worn off a little bit. Um, so... Yeah, it's, you know, it is, you know, it's terrible of me, you know, uh, slightly crappy, you know, got to support my team by watching them. I just, well, Jacob, a lot just, of the times I don't, I just wanted to verify this information and, and I did maybe that's the reason Michigan's not won a national championship in your lifetime. Because I don't watch. Because you don't watch. They need you. They need you. They need your eyeballs. Whether it's in person or on TV, they need them live time. Well, they just beat the number two team in the country, and I didn't watch. Oh, that's fine and dandy. They need you to get over the finish line. They need. You I, wa- to- I watched the TCU game last year. They, need they lost. They got. Uh, funny enough, it's not that it's the same thing, but kind of tangent in talking about watching games. Um. My oldest brother is big baseball guy, and this was the very first year um, he like subscribed to Bally Sports or whatever and watched every single Rangers game. They won. They won the World Series, baby. <laughs> they got over the finish line. So I'm telling you, you got to watch live time, full season, yeah. and I I'm gonna make that a bucket list item for you. We're gonna overcome that. And you're gonna go to it's in 
It's not Lansing, is it? Is it Lansing? Ann Arbor. I'm sorry. Lansing's the other one. Don't do that. We're gonna go to we're gonna have a trip. We're gonna go to Ann Arbor and we're gonna have a blast. We're gonna get some I don't know what specialty food is there. So I'm not even gonna throw out a random thing. Um but yeah, we're gonna go to Michigan and oh no, 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 no. What happened? Oh, we're still recording. Let me Okay. I was as you can, as you can hear, we have a lot of technical difficulties, a lot of issues over here. Um, oh, I thought it was going to stop the recording. Yeah, so I mean, that was that was a big long tangent around the whole entire. You know, I was going to go into the game, and then we talked about you know my own shortcomings and and whatnot. I equate you know my happiness with a football team and so that's why i don't watch um anyways <laughs> um nonetheless you're so, happy they won yeah yeah give me i say we going on a tangent here i haven't even given an analysis of your your feelings of the game how do you think going back and watched it did it play out how you were expecting yeah i i could Going back and watching it, the good thing is I can watch it with a very clear and open perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple things. I'm actually going to start with Ohio State very quickly. Um, For all the Ohio State fans out there that want to get rid of Ryan Day, I think you are absolutely crazy. Yes, I I understand. You got to beat Michigan. Fully understand, but the man has lost. He's like fifty-seven and six. I, I mean that that's crazy numbers. He's doing a great job. At some point, he'll figure it out. This is not the end of the world, and this is coming from somebody who watched Michigan lose uh, eight in a row most recently, and we kept Jim Harbaugh through zero and five. It's like is is not the end of the road. He's a great coach whether if you agree with all of the philosophies and whatnot that he brings and, you know, he's compared to Urban Meyer all, all the time, which is just unfortunate. You know, it is what it is. I still think you got you to gotta go with him for at least a little bit longer. Um, secondly, and the only thing I'll, you know, kind of leads into the analysis of the game is that, whether I think they should be in the playoff because I don't, I do, however, believe that just eye test wise, I still think that Ohio State is one of the top four or five teams in the country for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that game was extremely even. I, you know, going back and, and watching it, that game was, you know, score and answer back back to back especially in the second half there was so many answers to each team scoring um and o- ohio state has a very very good team even though that team looks a lot different than the very very good teams that we have seen in how they are made up and how they are able to win football games um and I think the last thing I'll say, just kind of as a brief overview, Jim Harbaugh did say that that's the best Ohio State team that they've played against. I think that's false. I think it's true that 
that is maybe the best Ohio State team in terms of being able to beat Michigan in the last few years that we've seen. I think Michigan was built over the last few years to beat Ohio State. I think in turn, because they're a lot more like the Michigan that we've seen, this Ohio State team was the best and most well-built to beat Michigan this year rather than what we saw the last couple of years, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't totally agree with what he said, but I feel like I, that was where he was going because some of the teams in like 2019 and in a couple of those earlier teams, those were absolutely fantastic teams that I think were better than, than what we see this year. Um, do you have a... Comment yeah, on. so we'll we'll get into it a little bit more when we're talking about this week's matchups. But real quick, just going off, you know, talking about this team and their potential of being in the playoff um, for just the way they played. Say Oregon beats Washington, right? So that knocks Washington to one loss. And let's say just in this scenario. Florida State loses to Louisville, so they're they're out. They're also down a quarterback, so they're out. And let's say Texas loses. Okay. So you have Washington, Oregon, and Ohio State. Not taking Bama into this consideration. Just we'll say Georgia wins for this scenario. So you got Oregon's going to go in because they beat them. Right. And then you have Washington, one loss, and Ohio State, one loss. Who would you give the edge to for that fourth spot? This might be me being biased, but in my mind, it's really not that close. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Washington okay, because they made it to their conference championship game. They were 13-0. and Pretty much at the fine at the final regular season matchup before they played an extra game, they were ahead of Ohio State. Gotcha. They they are ahead. They have technically. I was actually looking at this uh, great page on Twitter's very analytics based resume page for the college football playoff rankings, which by the way had Michigan should be at number one. Just throwing that out there, um, which that's my lukewarm take is that Michigan should be in that number one spot. Um, I think that I and they did this last year with USC losing to Utah in their championship game. Ohio State just kind of fell backwards into the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. They lost and they should have been out, and then they fell backwards into it, even though that they didn't go to their conference championship game. And I get it. I do. You know, they they always say the four best teams, and they've never officially defined what that means. Does that mean eye test? Does that mean resume? And we'll get into that a little bit later, or we can get into that right now, talking about college football playoff rankings. Um, because I have strong opinions about Florida State. Um, I just I I think it's so 
up in the air of what they actually mean by four best. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, you know, you get these teams who just benefit by not playing. And it seems wrong to me that you can benefit by not playing. If the teams were good enough to make it and be ranked above a certain team and they had to play a separate team, they had to play a 13th game, which, by the way, will be against a team that is ranked above Ohio State already. I don't think that should be seen as a negative in that they will fall behind a team that didn't even play that game, didn't even play an extra game. But I think the only issue with that is like not every conference is built out the same to where not every conference has two different divisions. Whereas, say, for instance, I'm trying to think of the say the SEC for instance uh, let's say Georgia wins out and then on the other side in the west you have Alabama and again this is just hypothetical LSU for example um, LSU didn't play Georgia that year or whatever LSU wins every single game except for Alabama and they just get the downfall of them being in the same side and they don't get to play and say Georgia lost three games, but they still won the East. And the same thing that's happening in Big Ten right now with Michigan and Ohio State being in the same division. It's kind of like, well, I just got the short end of the stick, but the other half of my <laughs> conference is garbage, and I can't do anything about it. So why am I getting penalized for not playing in that extra game, even though I'm as good as we are? We just lost to what should be a higher-ranked team, and they will be. But, you know, we're kind of just out of luck when it comes to conference championships. Yeah, and you're out of luck. You're just but done. But they've, they, they've already they've said that they, when they look at, they haven't determined what really the best four means, but they have said that they look at strength of schedule. They look at quality wins. They look at, did you make your conference championship? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Did you make your conference championship? Different conferences have different rules on how you get there. And whether I like it or not, the Big Ten will be in that space where it's just the best two teams and they will no longer have divisions. Which is the way it should be. In my mind. I don't like it. You don't want to play Ohio State again? <laughs> no, it's that I think it was broken how the Big Ten had it, which it was the disparity between the big 10 East and the big 10 West was so great that it, it was just like, we get to the end of the year, the last few years. And it's like, all right, who's going to win Michigan and Ohio state are going to play each other. Who's going to win the big 10. They don't exactly. even really have to think about that. Um, I just think that it needs to be balanced a little bit better. And I think if you, took teams in like they they are now with Oregon and Washington you put them in the Big Ten West let's forget about UCLA and USC um now it becomes super interesting you have USC uh, sorry you have Oregon Washington in the Big Ten West and you have Michigan and Ohio State all of a sudden in two different conferences or sorry do two did two different divisions now that's just super compelling and it's incredible, and you still have those divisions. 
there's no you're gonna have 20 teams just just fighting for two spots at the very top mm-hmm. and everybody's playing different teams like michigan's uh schedule next year let's not even talk about the out of conference or the the non-conference schedule where they're playing texas but their conference schedule is way harder than ohio state's but everybody's just in the same conference and so it's just gonna it's just gonna level out to you know because we have 20 teams in that conference or 18 or whatever it is and it's just I don't know. I'm a fan of divisions. I, I like it. It's it's traditional. It's what I know. I, I think I, it works. I, right. I, I, like you said, when it's balanced correctly, I just think there's mm-hmm. such an imbalance across the country right now. We haven't seen a balance truly in I don't know how long. Both in Big Ten, the SEC. There's no. I mean. I don't know. I, I just don't see it. It hasn't been done the right way in a long time. So I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate well, at the other end of the stick. I there. mean, at the, at this point, I mean, with the SEC, it's like it's still divisions, but it's still the two best teams. Sure, sure, but like I think the West is ten times overloaded than the East is. I think there's, it's not close in my eyes. I think there's way more better teams in the West than maybe the East. in in prior years, but this year I would argue it's it's really pretty close. This year has been closer. Yes. I think the SEC has been. I think what's hurt the East is that Florida has been so bad. Florida post Tim Tebow has not been. I mean, they went to three national championships in five years or whatever. And then and that was before Georgia was Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it, there was that shift in power from Florida to Georgia. And there was a, a sprinkle in a, a year of Tennessee here and there. But you know, you're typically never going to see a Kentucky at the top, a Vanderbilt at the top. Mizzou's rarely they're going to have a you know year like they had this year, but it's not going to get better than that. Um, but I mean, year in year out, you have the potential of an Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, A and M, Auburn, even if they're playing well on offense, five teams that can be in the top 15 potentially. I mean, four of them are right now or three of them. I don't know where. No. Yeah. They're not ranked, but nonetheless, speaking speaking of Ole Miss, the projected bowl for them is playing Iowa. And that's going to be hilarious. Um, Just with how, with how those two teams play football it's the exact opposite it's going to be hilarious um gosh what what do we want to get into i mean that we just went on such a tangent i mean i mean we can we'll we'll, we'll talk about the college football playoff right now yeah we can segue uh, we can kind of touch on the the iron bowl with just the alabama game we'll talk about them in a little bit but um yeah, so college football playoff. You said you had strong opinions. Rankings came out last in, night. Um, and this this is my strong opinion. It's not that it's happened yet. Okay. Um, and we just we saw a little bit of it, and and it's it's that the committee 
lacks a certain consistency and direction okay that i think is important when it's something as important as ranking ranking the top four teams okay i think that they go back and forth with some teams they value resume and some teams they value eye test and i don't i don't care if you either value eye test or if you want to value resume but that's what they've been doing they've been mixing it up and going you know different you know avenues here and there and i i think we're seeing at the very end with a team like texas who them and their fans are just kind of in limbo because they're like they look fantastic on paper yet they're behind a team like Oregon who is not all that great on paper, but they're great in the eye test wise because they have played Oregon state in the last few weeks, but that's pretty much it. Their back half their season was relatively easy. And so I just would love an actual more thought out and direct answer as to what we're going to get into how we evaluate teams when it's literally just four. And I don't think we're going to get it because this is the last year that we're going to have four and we're going to move to 12 and that opens up a lot more, you know, leniency in a lot of things and, you know, whatnot, but, and, oh. and I didn't even get to my hottest take yet. I was gonna say that, so, that was just that was just me being mad. My hottest take is if Florida State, I don't care if they win by one, if they win by forty, if they're not in the college football playoff, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If they go thirteen and zero, win the ACC, and they don't get in. Okay. Um, let me clarify. Just make sure I'm understanding everything. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the rankings that came out yesterday, is there something you don't agree with? Uh, I've always... Um, I haven't agreed with Oregon being uh, above Texas. Don't agree with Oregon being above Texas. Yes. Is there a particular reason other than kind of what you explained? Because me me personally, I think resume and deserving, I think deserving kind of kind of lends itself to be more towards a resume, like what's your resume uh at this point, you know, kind of perspective. And I think that Texas's resume and what they've done is more deserving of being higher than Oregon. Interesting. I very much so don't agree. Why is that? Texas beat Alabama, which is fantastic on your resume. In Tuscaloosa. 100% in September. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, Texas to me hasn't proven a single thing. They lost to Oklahoma. Should have yep. lost to Kansas State. 
Yep. And they've had every other game be a close game with Houston, with TCU, with Iowa State. Um, teams that, frankly, probably aren't even in the top 75 when it comes to strength of schedule. Um, and I'm not vowing for anyone's strength of schedule when it comes to Oregon because they're like 63. Um, mm-hmm. But they arguably could have beat Washington, which is their one loss. They beat Oregon State. They beat every other Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix is in the Heisman conversation. They played very well across the board. Haven't really had a ton of these closer games, as many as Texas has. Um, and what I see, I look at the resumes, I would say they're close. Personally, I'd give the edge to Oregon, even though I don't think the Pac-12 is strong. Um, but I still think they're close. I wouldn't say it's like a huge difference between the two. I would say to me then, okay, I'm not going to use that as my tiebreaker because I do think they're very close. So I'm going to go to my next thing. And for me, that is going to come down to the eye test. And when I look at these two teams, I don't think they compare on the offensive side of the ball so far from what I've seen, just because there is a lot of inconsistency with, you know, they've had the injury with Ewers. He plays well. He doesn't play well. I think the running game with Bucky Irving is way better. I think Texas probably has the better defense. Um, but I, I don't think it's... I don't know. In a, in a bad year, I think for the, I would say, the Big 12 overall, I think the Pac-12 has shown to be much better this year, even though I don't think overall, you know, there's definitely some big blaring weak spots in the Pac-12. But I think overall it's a stronger conference this year, which is kind of ironic considering it's <laughs> breaking up. Um, go and go it out with a bang. But I don't know. I think there's more things, in my opinion, lead Oregon to be above. I don't think... Um, let me. I don't want to say something real quick with it not being correct. Um, that's a tough one. It's tough with so, It's tough with Ohio State sandwich right between them. Um, I don't know. I'd almost put like a a five A, B, and C as opposed to a five, six, and seven. It's a. It, I think so, it's very close. I mean, so what I will say is I just, I, when I look at resume and deserving, I do really like to see, and it's, and it's pretty, the difference is pretty significant in terms of strength of schedule. Oregon is at 62, Texas is 13th. Texas also has a better strength of record, which I think is a little bit even more telling than strength of schedule. Because I mean, I get I I'm a Michigan fan. Mm-hmm. The whole year it was they haven't played anybody. Their strength of uh, their strength of schedule is terrible. I mean now they're they're better. They're now sitting at 36, but their strength of record, Michigan, is one. They have the best strength of record, and I think. I think that's very telling. It's it's like, yes, you can have whatever schedule that you have, and you can't really change that in the moment. 
but you can determine how you handle those games and and how you perform and texas has still even though you know they may not have the best you know i mean they still have a tough schedule and they've what they've done with it is have the best strength of record uh sorry the sixth best strength of strength of record in the country i think they look fantastic in terms of the last couple week couple weeks in the eye test and they have viewers back they i mean they put down a texas tech that oregon beat by eight they beat them by 50 um i know it's at two different points in the year and i know the teams get better but it, it's still it's still a common opponent and texas beat them by 50 they have what i think is not a better win but it's a harder win in that they had to go into Tuscaloosa to beat Alabama. Um, Washington just hasn't been the same team since they beat Oregon. I I mean, we'll go into that game. I'll be rooting for them, but I, I just don't think that they're going to win against Oregon. Um, I t- so when it comes down to it, I am just a person that values if you're more deserving, if you have, I think, the better resume, what do the numbers say? And the numbers say, and in, the, in their schedule, it says Texas favored just a little bit. Um, do I think that's going to be fixed after these, these weeks of games? Yeah, probably. I think Oregon will get in, you know, either way. But just because they're ranked ahead and they'll beat Washington and they'll I'll be all said and done and they'll have that great win over the number three team. Um, and at that point, it's kind of, it'll be, it'll be, I think more obvious when you have a win against the number three team and Texas is only, you know, unfortunately for them, they're playing against what the number 20 team or, I don't know where Oklahoma State is in terms of ranking. Um, So after this week, I think that whole situation will be kind of a, you know, a moot point. But I just, I don't know. It's been a little bit frustrating because it seems like they look at different things. Because we sat here at the beginning of the rankings, you know, when they came out in week nine, Mm -hmm. week 10. And we both sat here and basically said, we think that Ohio State is going to jump both Michigan and Georgia, not because necessarily they're better, but they have those two ranked wins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've done what they needed to do. And that's, you know, the committee agreed with us and they, you know, they put them in that exact spot. And it's like, I I think they just switch up at what they look at and what they value. Um, with that being said, I'll be yelling next year on the podcast if Florida State wins and they don't get in. But that's just me. I, I think that if they win, they're in. I don't think they'll... I think kind of looking similarly to last year, that was kind of the conversation. Granted, there was a loss in that situation, but it was, oh, TCU's going into their conference championship which they, 
you know, came out with a loss or whatever, and it's like, oh, you still got to put them in because they were the only other 13 and one team or whatever it was to get to that point. Um, I think the same thing quarterback, no quarterback. If you go undefeated, you got to give that defense and the rest of those kids a chance to, you know, fight for a national championship. Cause that, I mean, that's what you would do if Jordan Travis was there. So I guarantee that if Florida State wins, that they're in. I don't see that changing anything. There's they'll, been, there's they'll been be a the, lot of talk. No, nah, I don't that I don't, they'll leave them out. I don't, I don't buy it. I think, um, Regardless, if they win, um, I don't think they move. I think they'll stay at four. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised. Let's say like Oregon wins or whatever, then they're you know twelve and one, Pac twelve champions. Washington drops out. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon jumps into three in an undefeated. Florida State stays at four. Yeah, I can see that. But I think they win, they're in. Because um, Louisville, I mean, they're a good team. They did lose to Kentucky last week, but they got a strong defense. Their offense has its moments. Plummer took some shots last week. I saw him get beat up on the field. Um, but yeah, so I think even if you know, uh, if the backup Rotomaker can make something happen and they win that game, then that's something to be. Even if it was Jordan Travis, it's a solid win. Um, but nonetheless, I guess that'll kind of segue a little bit here. I feel like we've been, this is going to be long. I can tell. Yeah, but like we said, it's going to be long. We didn't, we didn't get the episode out last week. We're just kind of going back and forth on the, on a tangent here. Um, let's get into the iron bowl, shall we? Sure. 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 Um, Unfortunately, the episode didn't go out last week. Um, and so it's not officially on record where we talked about for a couple minutes how there's probably no real chance that it's going to be close unless Auburn was just joking around with New Mexico State, realized that you know their season really isn't going to really come to anything. They're not, they're not fighting for a big bowl game. They're not fighting for the college football playoff. But they still are bowl eligible. That they lost to New Mexico State by 21 on purpose to throw Alabama off so that they can come in the next week and absolutely just mess everything up. And, boy, they should have. And they, they were so close. And I they had an opportunity to be America's team for about 15 minutes and, and give Bama a loss. It would have, you know, it would have made the college football playoff picture a little bit clearer because even if they beat Georgia, they're, they're not getting in after losing to Auburn and whatnot. Um, the offense just didn't look very good. Granted, Auburn's defense is, uh, they're pretty solid. Uh, you know, gave Georgia some issues. and But that that offense that Bama put out on the field, just they looked sluggish. They, they weren't able to move the ball that well. They didn't execute when they needed to. And Auburn just kind of out of nowhere would just make plays. 
and they would just be able to get down the field and score points when they needed to. And they they let up a fourth and 31. Fourth and goal from the 31. I mean, I don't know. I was highly disappointed, I'll tell you that. Yeah, man. Weird weird things happen in Jordan Hare Stadium. Um my uh youngest cousin is actually uh, a senior this year at Auburn, so I'm sure she was at the game or celebrating or whatever, and would have been a really cool moment for her to go out uh, her senior year. But nonetheless, none of this made sense. Uh, I don't know why this Alabama team didn't show up uh, against LSU. That would have been real nice. Um, and it's really not like if you go and look at the stats, like. Auburn did play terrible on offense. Like they, they weren't good. They're not good. Peyton Thorne is not good. Um, but Bama just didn't didn't do anything. Didn't take advantage of opportunities. Made mistakes. Um, I didn't watch the whole game. I watched it as it was, you know, kind of the second half, and things were getting a little, a little dicey. Um, but Milrow just. I don't know. He looked indecisive, like couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to do. Whereas the Jade or not Jaden, the Jalen Milrow that I saw in the LSU game was a dude that knew what he was going to do. And like, if it's a, I'm going to run the ball or B I'm going to hit my guy. Like he did it. There was no hesitation with anything. And he took off if he wanted to run. Whereas I felt like he just looked really uncomfortable in the pocket. Didn't know what decisions to make. Um, and if that's a team that shows up against Georgia, like it's not going to fly. You're not going to get a fourth and 31 touchdown conversion to win the game against Georgia. That is ain't going to happen. Um, it definitely kind of talked about this game should be counted as a half loss. Um, and it definitely should take an impact on, you know, the implications going forward. Again, Alabama needs a lot to go in their way for them to even, even if they beat Georgia to get into the national or the college football playoff. Um, I mean, you would need Washington to lose, Texas to lose, Florida State to lose. Like, you would need every person that's in the front-runner seat right now in the conference to lose every upset, in theory. Um, and you'd also have to beat Georgia probably handedly or by 10 points um, to kind of get yourself in that conversation. So... I don't know, man. It, it's a weird. Auburn's defense is very good. You typically year in, year out. They're very strong in the line. They put in pro after pro in the league. Um, they're stout up front. Their DBs are good. But, like, you shouldn't have this much trouble. Again, New Mexico State scored more points against Auburn. LSU put up 48 against Auburn. I, I I mean, it's not even like... So what I'll say is like, you didn't even see an Auburn team that... Like, they, they were 6-5, and five, but they had just gotten off beating New Mexico State. You know, granted, they are in their conference championship for Conference USA or mm -hmm. something like that. Um... You know, they didn't get off, you know, week 12, you know, 
beating a New Mexico State team 34 to 21 or something like that, where it's like it's close, but you know, whatever, 34, 27, whatever. They got beat by 21. Yeah. Um, and then you you waltz in there, and 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 one of the things I I did say, um, and I thought of you was watching quite a bit of that game. It did look like Auburn was much more focused on a keeping Jalen Milrow in the pocket, mm-hmm. um, a lot less stunts to get straight to the quarterback, and a lot more rushes from Upfield. you know just still keeping that pocket and getting upfield and not letting them get outside. Um, but I also do know that it was like around half the time or so they, they had a, they did, they had a spy on them, which I yeah. know, which is what you were begging LSU to do. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it seemed to work really well because Milro is going to be a two to three, two to three seconds, look downfield, bam, hit the guy if I like what I see, but if I don't like what I see, okay, now we look to run. Well, if option B is look to run and, oh, hey, I can't run, then I have to go back to the air and then everything becomes indecisive. And it just looked just very, uh, this isn't a good word for it, but gross, but just like not put together. It was it was not fluid like we saw with LSU. Um yeah, it was it it was it was crazy. It, it that was not the Alabama team that we've seen for like the last six weeks. Yeah, and it was very odd. It, and going into going into Georgia, a they're gonna see exactly what Auburn did, what worked well. Kirby's gonna yeah. be ready, and B. Georgia has, and I think they do this the best out of any team in the country just time and time again i see georgia be able to do this is just adapt to a what they're seeing in like the first quarter the first half and then they make those adjustments you know they may they might come out slow they might you know not play you know like we've talked about they may not play like the georgia that we all know in the first half but they're going to get there and they're going to turn it on and you better hope that they don't play a good first half of football because if they play two good halves of football, you're not even going to get close. Yeah. With like a team like Alabama where, you know, they can be very streaky and, you know, they can struggle against teams who just are there that day. Like it, it's so weird. They they can do these things like put up 50. I think they put up 55 against Kentucky. But they also they just look very stagnant and and not be able to do anything and barely put up you know on a last second heave they put up twenty seven on Auburn yeah and uh, and 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 it's and it's weird because you know Alabama and Nick Saban you don't see them play really two bad games in a row so I'm sure they'll get some of that figured out um. But I think if you're Georgia, you're you're looking at that, and a we know what to do. We know what defense. We know what we can expect, and I think Georgia's probably got to be looking at that. Like we can take care of this game, even if Peyton Thorne can make throws on them. 
Carson Beck's going to be able to make throws and get some passes definitely completed and and that offense can get rolling. Um, so I, I think if you're Alabama, you feel like you're in a lot of trouble. I'm not saying that they can't win, but I don't I don't love their chances in that game. Even even I didn't before that Auburn game, but now it's just like I don't know. To me, Georgia has that blueprint, and they're like Auburn showed us what works really well against them. We're a much better team than Auburn. Let's go take care of it. Easy. Yeah, I think you know it's it's funny kind of thinking about this full circle now, how impactful different things about college football can be. Typically you have, for a team to be really good, you have certain players that are superstars and they make the team really good. Or you have superstar coaches who coach so well that the team is just so well put together and so well organized. The scheme works so good that, you know, it, brings up the athletes to a different level that they normally would play at and the team is good. But then you have the level of really good coaching and you already had the superstars and it's just like, that's your national championship caliber type of team. And I think this year you have Saban. Saban is the reason Alabama's winning these games and it's going to come down to like Saban's going to get them ready for Georgia in the best possible way. There's really no one more experienced in being in these situations than Nick Saban. And he's going to do everything he can to outsmart Kirby and plan the perfect game. But at the end of the day, Milrow and his offense is going to have to make the plays. And there's nothing... Saban's not going to put a helmet on. He's 70 years old. He can't do anything about that. And so putting the game in his hands to execute what Saban draws up. I just don't have the faith in it. Whereas I think the competency and level of a Carson Beck is a little more poised. You know, he's not the runner sporadic kind of mind that Milrow is. The run game is much more established in Georgia than it is in Bama. McClellan is nor here nor there. They don't have the the freshman kid Williams. Roydell Williams is kind of will bring him in for a drive here and there. Whereas Dejon Williams and Kendall Milton are those dudes. Like they're powering that offense. Beck is managing it. They got Bowers back. He's playing. He's healthy. McConkey's coming on at the right time. Um, defense is playing well. Grant, I did watch the Georgia Tech game. Score ended up being a lot closer than I expected. So I don't know exactly point. what happened there, but um, but nonetheless, this game is probably going to look like it. I mean, I'd say George is the heavy favorite going into this just based on, again, the eye test of what we saw last week from Bama. But just knowing these two coaches, the history here, that game is probably going to be a close one. It's probably going to be a hard-fought battle. Someone may pull away, and I would say I'd lean towards Georgia on that toward the end with interception or you know a two touchdown lead at the end because of a late score or something um i don't i couldn't imagine a blowout in any sort of the way but but yeah bama's got to get it together Jalen middle came out after the game saying give me the heisman give me the heisman 
Oh yeah, dude. I saw. Well, that. I was like, I mean, no. If that's something you're proud of, <laughs> I mean, you know, props to you there. Maybe next year you'll be back next year. Maybe. I mean, you're losing a lot of your competition but, that would be there for it. So, but this year, I I don't know about that, man. He's higher ranked on that list than I'd like to say, but um, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the the top, you know, I think they we'll say the top, the, the top. Yeah, well, the top two guys are pretty, you know, far and away top two. And and I think one is even above number two, so for sure. Um, yeah, I heard that too. I was like, eh, you know, after the the game that we just had, uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, you should threw be. it into the quarter the corner of the end zone. Uh, the, but, you know, maybe uh, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah, no, it was a... Uh... It made for some fun clips to see on Twitter. I'll say that after after the game and kind of all the the excitement from Bama fans that saw or didn't see and got surprised at the end or the kind of funny memes of Auburn fans that are crying in the stands um, after thinking they actually had a chance to pull off the crazy upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But uh, so, do you want to do you want to go into the championship games and just just go you know kind of rapid fire back and forth, as I think we are over an hour at this point. We've yeah. just kind of just been kind of rambling. Just going. Um, yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we'll start. We'll we'll kind of go in chronological order and in the way that we'll see them, starting with. The Washington and Oregon game, we already kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, like I said, like I said all year, my heart will be with the Huskies. Uh, it's just because, you know, they were the team that I that I predicted at the very start of the season, and they very still much have a shot to get into the college football playoff. All they got to do is win and they're in. Um However, my brain, which is generally a better thing to, you know, vote with and, and you know, make predictions with when it comes to college football, um, it tells me that Oregon's going to win. They're playing some really great football. And, and like I said earlier, all that stuff, you know, we can go kind of debate back and forth on whether or not Texas should be in front of Oregon, Oregon should be in front of Texas. Just the fact of the matter is, is that Oregon is in front right now, and if they go in and they beat Washington, they will be in the college football playoff. And so it's it's a win and you get in kind of situation, and uh, it'll be a it'll be a great game on Friday night. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be a great matchup. I'm starting to get a little worried with the public and just in general, kind of the consensus that Oregon's probably going to win this game. Um, I think they've opened as like a seven and a half point favorite or something. And I think everyone's feeling like, oh, Oregon's got this. Like just they're playing better. They should have won the first game. And I've, I've been one of those people. Um, it's now got me in this weird like, I don't know, karma cycle of like, well, that's not the way this works. Too many people going one way on something. It's going to turn out the opposite. So. I don't want to say that Washington's going to win this game. I still like Oregon to win it. Um, but I don't know. I think I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't go that way. If Washington again, why no, would you be? The team's undefeated. I, absolutely not. Yeah, um, no. But it's just it's just that I mean, to me, their offense isn't playing the way their offense was at the beginning of the season. Um, they just don't look as sharp, and that defense has been a question kind of all year. And yeah. I don't I don't trust in them to kind of step up when the offense absolutely needs it. So um and and Oregon can get it done on the ground, they can get it done through the air, and their defense is is really solid. Maybe not one of the very, very top defenses in the country, but still very, very solid and, and serviceable and have held a lot of teams to very little points this year. I'll point out this one stat for Washington or Washington's defense to take into account because they're totally listening to this. Um, I found the stat when the, a lot of my Twitter feed is filled with uh, Heisman stuff with Jane Daniels and whatnot and kind of just a comparison because it's, oh, it's between him and Bo Nix and the people that think Bo Nix is well above Daniels and vice versa and, you know, breaking down the actual stats uh, pretty deep. Um Bo Nix passing yards, uh, almost 70% of his yards happened between negative two and nine yards um, from the line of scrimmage. So a lot of screen plays, uh, a lot of yards after catch. So if I'm Washington, play press, get up in their face, um, stop those screen plays, the short yardage attacks, um, prevent you know the yards after catch, force Nix to work the ball down the field, and you might find some more success. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting number. It's kind of crazy to think about. 70% is within that short of a distance. Um, but nonetheless, good luck to both teams. It's going to be a great Friday night matchup. Um, tune into that one. Um, but that'll lead us into... If Florida first- State and... Well, I guess I said we were going to do them kind of in the order that we'll see him. So that would be Texas and Oklahoma State. They have the 11 o'clock game on Saturday. And uh, I think this is at Jerry Dome. I, I just think for the for the foreseeable future, um, Jerry that's where the Jerry Dome, Jerry World, you know, same place. Jerry's Palace, if you will. Um, I had the great fortune to see the Baylor Bears um, in 2021 beat the Oklahoma State Cowboys in me personally, I think one of the best finishes of all time. Just just talking about literally the last play. If you remember that, I'm not sure if you it's the it's a play where he uh, they had first and goal from the one and they got all the way to fourth and goal from the one dude ran around the left side and stretched out. It was basically a foot race to the, you've seen the play. I know that you have, I, it, it was a great way to end the, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Gave me heart attacks up and down, but with me, that's no surprise. Um, with that being said on to the game, I sang a lot of praise for Oklahoma state in the middle of the year. Um, and immediately 
they followed that up with losing to UCF, uh, forty-five to three, forty-two to three, something like that. Yeah. Um, still haven't forgiven them for that, and I don't really think they bounced back from that fully yet. Um, BYU, they they should have lost that game. They were down huge, and I mean they made this great comeback. Yeah. Um, and you know, props to them for doing so, but they were kind of dead dead to rights in that game. Um, I'm taking Texas. I mean, they just came off beating up on a Texas Tech team, uh, 57 to seven, 57, something like that. Um, yeah, I like Texas. I think they're going to try to make a very big statement to like, you know, propel themselves, you know, maybe leap over a couple teams, maybe. I don't think it's going to happen, especially if Oregon takes care of business and Florida State does. Um, but you know, they're going to at least try. I think that's what they'll be going in there to do, you know, score lots of points, uh, make the margin of victory very big. I'm taking Texas. Yeah, I agree. Texas is the better team here. Uh, I think they'll, their defense is, is too good. Um, I don't think Oklahoma state's going to be able to do what they did really well in the middle of the season with, with Gordon. I think you shut him down and then you're pretty, Pretty smooth sailing there. So, yeah, I think Texas takes care of business in Jerry World. Good old Arlington. Yeah. yeah. Moving on uh, into the 3 o'clock, 2.30, 3.30, whatever it's going to be slot, we have the SEC championship with Georgia and Bama, what we just talked about. Uh, we don't really have to go into it, but I'm taking Bama. Simple as that. Sorry, I just said I'm taking Bama. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, with the I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not taking Bama. I'm taking Georgia. I'm taking Georgia. Okay. I mean, it would make things really interesting. I mean, so I'm I'm kind of for that. And also I'm for Michigan getting the the one seed. So if Bama could beat them, that would be great. Um, you know, all for Bama doing that. But uh, you know, I'm 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 taking Georgia. Yeah, I'm taking Georgia in this one as well. Uh, SEC championship played in Atlanta every year, kind of like a home game for for the Bulldogs. I think they take care of business, um, but I'm sure it'll be a close one. It might come down to the fourth quarter. We'll we'll see. Maybe there's something in me that really wants me to take Bama. I don't know. Maybe deep down inside, I'm an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. I don't, I, I don't. I don't know what just came out of me there. No. Um, and then we have two games. I think both are at that nighttime slot on Saturday night. Uh, we'll go with Michigan and Iowa. First off, um, I'd love to hear uh, who you're taking. That's pretty straightforward. Kind of talked about it at the beginning, but uh, I think Michigan takes care of business. Iowa is a team that cannot put up points. I'll put their over-under at eight, and I'll take the under on that one. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a game at all. So. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully it isn't, you know. I, I'll be sure to know, watch for you. I... I Really hope it isn't, you know, close to the very end. But um, just a few things I wanted to say earlier. I think the biggest thing for Michigan in that Ohio State game was that they won the moments. 
they didn't dominate stats wise they were outgained um and it wasn't like they pulled away at any point um but i do think they did a fantastic job and a being able to answer whenever ohio state threw a punch and b they won you know kind of the things that are less stats based they they won the turnover battle and they won in making sure to take momentum uh when it was needed and i think that was something that you know maybe they've lacked in the last couple of years and they were able to be in a close game and come out on top against a very good team uh hopefully it'll benefit them moving forward um and so all that to say i'm taking michigan really liked how the team played i think they can play better on offense um and we'll see and we'll see if they can do that against iowa um and hopefully you know we can kind of take a take a good step into the college football playoff for the third year in a row which leads us into the last game wrapping up this very long episode of this podcast we have florida state and louisville i'll just say off the bat with all that being said and me pulling for florida state and you know kind of fending off the haters that think they shouldn't even get in at 13 and 0 I'm taking Florida State. I want to see him get in there. I was sorry to see what happened to Jordan Travis. Very unfortunate. Um, we'll see if Tate Rodemaker, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, can, you know, kind of put it together. I think he was able to put he put together an okay game, if I remember, against Florida. Wasn't anything special, but definitely got the job done. Um I think they'll need probably a better, a little bit better performance out of them to beat Louisville, but I think it's definitely something he can do. Um, and I'm taking Florida State. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump on the Florida State train as well. This defense is still good, healthy. Um, I think if they can stop this Louisville offense with Jor Jordan, stop the run game, and then vice versa, get the run game going. If Trey Benson plays like he did last week and kind of puts the team on his back and carries him to a victory. Um, then so be it. But I'd like to see them win this game. Um, even though we lost to them at the beginning of the year and set them on this path. Um, you know, they've, they fought this long, even if the ACC isn't as tough of a conference as some of the others, you're undefeated. You hate to see them, you know, drop a game just because of a, a terrible injury. Hopefully they can, win it for their quarterback, and even if they get blown out to whoever it is in that first matchup, at least they got to that point and something to be proud of. So I'm pulling for the Seminoles in this one. Yep. Uh, I think we were I think we were five for five on on that. You know, no real uh, – what was that? Uh, oh, my God. The word is leaving my brain. I must be having a tough time. I can't think of words, and I took Bama in the SEC championship game. Um, Education's already going down the toilet. Oh, dude, it's, it's straight out. But anyways, um, yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Um, I'm still trying to think of that word, but it's not even going to come to me. I, I don't even know the word I'm trying to think of. Um, but we appreciate if you sat and listen to us for this like hour and I think probably like 10, 15 minutes. Goodness gracious, this episode was long. We really appreciate you sticking around. And if you're here listening to us every single week, 
we really do appreciate it. Mason, before we sign off, you have any last thing you want to say? It kind of looked like you had something to say. No, I was just going to basically reiterate that. Yeah, we appreciate y'all and enjoy a great championship weekend and can't wait to see how the Bulls turn out next week. And we'll catch y'all later. See ya.